0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm here, not just with Inez this time, uh, but my friend, um, Philippe Lemoine. Um, we thought we'd uh, mix it up a little bit. Me and Philip, me and uh, Inez have been agreeing too much, especially our you know steadfast support for Israel. Um, and Philippe is a smart guy um, who disagrees with us on a lot of these things. Uh, so he recently wrote an essay uh, called Israel's 9-11 Moment." So we thought it would be a good idea uh, to bring him on. And um, you know, Philippe, there's like well, so many ways this conversation could go because there's, you know, there's there's a moral question that I think would be interested in, I'd be interested in discussing. Um, it's not, you know, it, you know, that we could just talk, we could talk about that for a very long time. There's also like practical uh, questions about sort of pragmatic, what's going to work for Israel and what's not. I think we might just shelve the moral questions. I think maybe we'll do that later just because, you know, this has to be sort of manageable uh, in some way. Um, and so, yeah, your I mean, your view, so, I mean, I read your, you know, I read your essay, and I guess I'll just start it off by, you know, saying uh, one thing. I one thing I'll just ask you about before I get to any disagreements is what's what's the end state? So you do say negotiate with Hamas. Um, okay, there's going to be negotiations, presumably. What, what's the end state of negotiating with Hamas, not fighting that aggressive of a war, dealing with the authorities as they are? Like, well, what is where is where's Israel at uh, in relation to the Palestinians in say five to ten years if they do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, if they do that, to be clear, I I don't believe they will. But, uh, I mean, certainly not for a while Uh, anyway. But, uh, uh, I mean, I still think the only real solution to the whole thing is uh, is a two-state solution. So that's, uh, you know, and I think, I do think it's not impossible. So basically, I have to say, when I say this is like a very controversial thing, when you say, you know, that Israel should negotiate with Hamas. I don't say that because I like Hamas obviously I think it's an obvious organization in many ways but and you know what happened on october 7 only made that clear but I say that because I I think that it's magical thinking to think that Israel can choose its interlocutors that's that's what it tried to do before you know like olmert um rejected the uh, uh, unity agreements between Hamas other organization, extremist organization and Fatah in 2006 uh, because, you know, they couldn't stomach uh, talking with Hamas which we uh, regard as illegitimate uh, and, you know, the result was that the reality is that Fatah doesn't have the authority anymore on its own to negotiate to speak for the Palestinians so my the reason why I say that Israel doesn't have a choice but to negotiate with Hamas, at least if it wants to negotiate its solution um, is that at this point, Fatah alone doesn't have the legitimacy to uh, speak for the Palestinians. So you, you have to, if you're going to do a negotiation try, try to try attempt to have a negotiated settlement, you will have to talk to Hamas. And you think Hamas, you know, you think Hamas
0: will accept the two state solution? I mean, forget about the past. So, and, uh...
1: so I think, so I think that uh, that's the thing. You know, I think that people there is this debate about uh how much pragmatism there is in Hamas versus ideology, I mean not that the two are necessarily you know the distinction is somewhat artificial because you can be instrumentally rational uh in pursuing like crazy goals uh but nevertheless you know there is this debate, and i think uh I'm not saying it's an obvious uh like this this question is an obvious answer I don't think it does but but I think people systematically um Like omits key uh, facts about the history of Hamas that points to that show that at least some people in there are capable of pragmatism. So I was referring to the unity agreement, the what was it called again? The prisoners' document, something like that, two thousand six. And in that document, which Hamas signed uh, to create a unity government, a Palestinian unity Palestinian government, uh, the it it amounted to an, an implicit recognition of the existence of Israel. This was acknowledged by the Israeli at the time, but they just said, we reject this because we want an explicit recognition of the existence of Israel at the outset. Now, I don't think this is reasonable. Obviously, I think it's reasonable for Israel to demand that by the end of the process, uh, the Palestinian negotiators recognize explicitly in a document the existence of Israel. This is obvious that... But I don't think it's reasonable to demand that they do so explicitly and not to be content with like an implicit recognition at the outset of the process. The reason why I don't think so is because if you think about it, the, like the Palestinians have a very weak, very weak hand. And basically, recognition of Israel and the end of violence are essentially the only two cards they have. So by demanding that they recognize explicitly, their Hamas recognizes explicitly, the existence of Israel at the outset of the process, you're effectively asking them to give up one of their only cards without anything uh, in return for this. I think that an implicit recognition should have been enough, and then it should have been enough to start a process. I'm not saying the process would have necessarily succeeded. We'll never know because it didn't happen. What I'm saying is that by, by rejecting this, by demanding at the outset an explicit recognition of Israel's existence, what Israel did essentially is ensure that there wouldn't be a negotiated settlement because then um, Abbas didn't have the authority to, uh, to negotiate one. And so I think this, is, this was one of, it's not the only reason, that's one of the reasons why, uh, why those uh, negotiations failed. Like, so you have to, if you, if you want a negotiated settlement, of course there are people who think that there shouldn't be one, but if you want a negotiated settlement... I think that you have to accept the the reality that you will have to negotiate with Hamas. And as unpleasant as it is, it's never pleasant, you know, but like people have been negotiating with terrorists that oppose them for a very long time and in many, many cases, you know, even after saying they would never negotiate with them. I mean, Israel did that with Fatah too. Uh, of course, they did recognize the existence of Israel in in, in uh, 88, but, um, but again, you know, I, I think, so That's that's an example of how you know, in 2006, the fact that Hamas signed that document uh, and made that agreement with Fatah, I, I think it's it's clear evidence that it is, it's not crazy to think that Hamas could be brought to um, uh, recognize the existence of Israel eventually. Uh, and so if you go back to the history of Fatah, you see very similar things where like as early as like the 70s, arguably even maybe perhaps before, you see signs, even though they would stick to their charter that said no, 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 no. You know, we will never recognize Israel, etc. You still, you could still see signs that, you know, this was, like, this rhetoric, like, was like partly superficial and that it was partly part of the the game, as it were. So, and, and you know, I think it's like this is linked to another issue, which is like Hamas, like no organization, like Israel, like Fatah, like it's not a. It's not a monolithic organization. Like It's not a unitary actor. Mm-hmm. You have different people in there and they don't agree on everything. Like, it's clear at the moment, for instance, that if you look at the political, uh, the political leaders in exile, they seem to be right now, even right now, more, much more pragmatic
0: yeah. and, and open to compromise than the Does, uh,
1: military leaders yeah, in yeah, Gaza.
0: Maybe you're right as theoretically this is possible. Does Israel have the luxury of taking the risk of waiting, you know, I think even in your vision, it takes a very long time for Hamas to get to implicit recognition to Israel, to explicit recognition, uh, you know, to um, uh, to some kind of uh, two state solution. Um, maybe it takes twenty years, maybe thirty years. The demographics are changing. The technology is changing over time. Yeah. Drones and rockets and all of that. I mean, that's that's made a difference in the last few decades. Does Israel have this luxury to to hope things work out, you know, well thirty years down the line within inter- internal uh, Palestinian oh. politics?
1: So, I mean, there are two things I want to say. On on this point, uh, on this question, first of all, this is like a big, uh, another big reason why I I disagree with like people are arguing for the, um, you know, uh, how would I say this, you know, like the uh, non negotiation, you know, no negotiation approach on, on this. The first thing is that I don't understand why people think the risk is so high. I mean, like Israel is vastly, is vastly more powerful than Hamas. And it has not means, you know, what happened on October 7th, like everybody understand that it was, it shouldn't have happened. Like, I mean, they clearly screwed up in some way. So of course, some screw up, you know, in the long term is inevitable. But um, like the, a screw up of that magnitude, that's that's not something that should have happened. And it's clearly something that, that uh, Israel should be able to prevent. You know, I'm not saying they can prevent all terrorism attacks. In fact, that's part of my argument for why I think they should negotiate, is that it's impossible in the long run. But surely it's not true either that they can't do anything to prevent something like this. Something like this is just like it's not so what's the risk exactly? I mean, Israel is clearly not going to disappear. Hamas is clearly not going to destroy Israel. I don't see how if they're minimally competent, I don't see how Hamas um could uh, pull off something like this uh, again, you know, unless screw up, like Israel really massively screwed up, and and you know like if, if conditional if there are negotiations, obviously Hamas is not going to do that during the negotiation; or it will break them off. But you know, and like it, it could it could be you know it could be that there were, in fact it's very likely that if there were negotiations, there would be some groups within Hamas or other groups um that would try to derail the negotiations by performing terrorist attacks. I mean I have no doubt this would happen. Yeah. But like the, the so, you know this happens even without negotiation. You have terrorism. You've had terrorism like you know it, it ebbs and flows but like it never completely it's never completely gone. So you know people talk about the risk but I mean I'm not saying there is no risk, but I think it's vastly exaggerated. Yeah.
0: So I could respond first, but first of all, let, yeah I, let, let us jump in.
1: Yeah yeah.
2: Um So the first thing I would say is that uh, I think Israelis thought the way that you're talking for decades, um, and it is the events uh, intervening over those decades uh, that has made this view completely disappear in Israel. Uh, um, Support for a two-state solution, for example, is at a low point, obviously, uh, but not just a low point after it had been going down for many, many years, exactly because of, and, and you can use the word magical thinking. I, I think this is magical thinking to imagine that you can negotiate halfway with people who very clearly, their end goal is always to wipe Israel off the map. Um, and there's no way to really negotiate halfway with people. Any, any agreement that is reached with people with that explicit goal is merely a ceasefire that allows rearmament and and planning the next attack. But I I think to the extent that I think there is something that I agree with in what you said, it's perhaps from the opposite perspective, actually, which is the West. And this is something Israel has not had the luxury to do, but the West has not confronted uh, the extent to which Hamas represents uh, Palestinian ambitions in Gaza um, and, you know, maybe to a, a substantial extent in the West Bank. Um, and that to that extent, I agree that negotiating with a entity that doesn't actually command the legitimacy of the people is, is pointless. Um, you know, so here's what we do know and here's what's disabused Israelis of any hope in what you,
0: you have said. reached the end of the um, free recording you know, for the, this there, episode there of clown car to listen to the rest of the episode. There please consider becoming a paid subscriber you know, starting of course in the partitions of